Hello and welcome to the Money Talk podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, with the end of the tax year in sight, we know that many will be looking to top up their investments. But with markets looking decidedly uncertain, where can the cautious investor turn? We'll take a look at a few areas which might be able to hold up in the current difficult investing environment. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Successful investing means investing through the bad times as well as the good, but that can be tough to remember when markets are choppy, as they undoubtedly are right now. Many will know that they need to keep up contributions, but will also be looking for some shelter against the ups and downs, and hopefully some for some opportunities to grow their money despite the wider turmoil in markets. Where might they be able to do that? Well, that's our focus today, and to help provide some answers, I hope, I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by my Fidelity colleague, Micah Curry. Micah, welcome along. Um, Thanks, Ed. Hi. Maybe it's worth us starting, Micah, with a snapshot of where we are in markets right now. It sort of feels like we've had this initial shock of uh, of the war in Ukraine in particular, but there's obviously been other things going on as well. Uh, and we've had some widespread falls, but perhaps now we're entering a new phase where investors are beginning to work out the big winners and the losers from this situation. Yes, and I, I simply think a fair point to make is that those who started investing during the pandemic can be forgiven for thinking that investing really is easy and that markets go up all the time because for almost two years, markets performed very strongly, breaking record after record. But this year, as you've spoken about on many occasions, volatility has returned with a vengeance. And it's been a cocktail of worries from rising inflation to the end of loose monetary conditions and, of course, the war in Ukraine. But we do know that stock markets move quickly to price in the news. Uh, European shares, for example, that fell 10% between the invasion of Ukraine and early March recouped all of their losses in recent weeks. And even in Germany, which is worst place given its dependence on Russian energy, investors are looking through the bad news and looking at things like higher defense spending and the like. The initial shock of uncertainty has dissipated and and there are some very clear pockets of the market that are holding up really strongly. Certainly in the commodity space, soft commodities and hard commodities are benefiting from the ongoing disruption we are seeing. And there's a clear difference in the performance and outlook for markets on a regional basis, depending on the makeup of, of the particular stock market. And as you discussed last week, for example, a market like China, it does look like the tide is turning. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And yeah, you mentioned there the different performances of uh, regional stock markets, and that's becoming quite quite pronounced, isn't it? We, we're used to markets all over the world moving, broadly speaking, in, in, in the same way. One of the things that stands out at the moment is, is the UK, in fact, um, at least at a headline level amongst the biggest companies, amongst the FTSE 100. That's pretty much recovered any of the ground it's lost so far this year. It's about, it's about level year to date. The Euro- Europe and the US are in uh, are some way off that. What's been going on in the UK, Micah, uh, that might suggest, you know, it's an area which could shelter investors as we enter the new tax year in this next phase of this uncertainty we're facing? Yes, absolutely. Well, every stock market has been affected by the war in Ukraine. The FTSE has actually stood relatively firm. You know, the US stock market is around 6% down this year. 
um, compared to last, where the UK is pretty much where it was. And the reason is because the UK stock market is dominated by those old economy stocks, stocks like financials, energy and mining companies that are the beneficiaries of what we're seeing going on. You think of companies like Shell and BP, which make up a big part of the FTSE 100, really benefiting from the rising oil price. Now, it's fair to say that the UK isn't a screaming bargain, but it does certainly look like better value compared to other stock markets in the developed world. Think of the US and certainly Europe, which of course is bearing the brunt of events unfolding in Ukraine. The beauty of the UK stock market, which as always, is that while it's a relatively concentrated market, it is home to international companies. And by that, I mean companies that are globally focused. So if you think of a stock like Diageo, the drinks company, which owns brands like Smirnoff and Guinness, Mm -hmm. it enjoys a lot of its growth from Asia. The US is its largest market. So it's really these global players. But of course, if you're nervous about putting money into a single stock like that, a fund like the Artemis UK Select Fund, which is one of our ISA fund picks for this year, is another interesting option. It looks for undervalued growth companies, but it also looks to invest in companies with strong balance sheets and pricing power. And those are the type of companies that are likely to be winners in uncertain times and in inflationary times. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you talk about inflation there. I mean, that was the story before Ukraine kicked off. The the story in markets was all about this rotation uh, because of the change in the monetary environment, because of the return of inflation. A lot of the companies that had really driven, for example, the US stock market, um, high quality growth companies, often in the tech space, we all know the names, Google, Amazon, etc. They were being discounted, weren't they? Because uh, when you when you factor in inflation, when you factor in higher interest rates, their future earnings were looking a little less attractive. And that was really helping the kind of companies here in the UK that you're talking about there. Um, exactly. Commodities would be, would be one one area. Banks might be another. They can benefit in a higher interest rate environment. So so the UK was enjoying a bit of a, um, you know, a more favorable backdrop anyway. And then clearly what's happened in Ukraine, that's, that's a commodity story. That's an inflation story. Uh, and potentially those companies could um, gain even more. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's move on to, to um, well, maybe the, net, the the sort of traditional diversifier for stock markets, um, which is the bond market, of course. Now, the environment right now is hostile to bonds, I think that's fair to say, and that's because of inflation. It's because of interest rates rising. That erodes their future value, just as it does some companies in the stock market. Prices have been pushed down amongst bonds, but that does mean, Micah, that yields are rising. That's the percentage cash return that a bond will pay. Um, and at some point, I guess those yields are going to look attractive. There's a lot of types of investor, an institutional type of investor might have to buy those kind of income bearing investments. And uh, the, the the bond market is beginning to look more attractive from that point of view. Um I mean, it's hard, as I say, to be very optimistic about the bond market. But is it also fair to say, Micah, that um, they can add some stability to portfolios? And if you're buying at the moment into the bond market, it could be quite attractive. Yes. So we all know that the conventional wisdom is that, you know, we should steer clear of bonds um, when inflation is high and when interest rates are rising, because if the return on cash is rising, then bond investors demand a higher income to compensate for that small amount of risk that governments might default on their obligations. But of course, for some investors, 
um, rising bond yields do make bonds look increasingly interesting because we know the US government, for example, is extremely unlikely to fail to repay a bondholder. Um, and it can always print more money to do so. And that makes treasuries, US treasuries, the ultimate safe haven. So if you know you will get money back and you can earn around 2.5% yield in the meantime, that will look appealing to some investors, especially if they are worried about falls in the value of shares at a time of war, COVID, and of course, uh, inflation. Yeah, indeed. And it seems to me, Micah, that you know, one of the one of the uncertainties at the moment in markets is that we have this this path for interest rates being mapped out by central banks, the Fed in the US and the Bank of England here in the UK. And uh, we're all expecting further interest rate rises. But there is a question mark about exactly how far, how fast the central banks go in returning um, or, or raising their interest rates. We know why they want to do it because of inflation. What may stay their hand is a lack of growth. If there's suddenly a drop off in growth in, in economies like the UK, you could see a change of tack from the Bank of England. So it's not it's not a slam dunk, is it, that um, monetary, politi- monetary policy is going to tighten as much as some think, and therefore the case for bonds could, e- could strengthen even more? Absolutely. I think the thing we need to remember is that interest rates are still at very low levels. They will they will rise, but they will rise incrementally. And, and central banks have this impossible job at the moment of avoiding a stagflationary environment, which many will argue we're in already, where you've got that lethal combination of prices rising, but really no growth or paltry growth. And the worst thing they can do against that backdrop is to push interest rates up further. Um, so really, you know, you wouldn't want to be a central banker right now because it's an impossible task. It's an unprecedented task. And we need to bear that in mind. Even if interest rates do go up, you know, inflation is still far, far beyond where interest rates will get to. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, um, finally, then, Michael, in terms of areas where people might look in the year ahead, um, if they are sort of more defensively minded, we're in this inflationary spiral we we know what's happening to prices and there are assets that are going to benefit from that there's um, commodities of various kinds uh, that might be of interest what is there to say about that kind of investment it might be an alternative to what people are used to investing in what are the options there Commodities are definitely a really interesting play, and this is something we've written several articles on. Um, if you take something like soft commodities, the price of food, the price of food is going up, and that's due to a number of factors from the supply chain gluts we've seen following COVID uh, to factors like climate change, droughts and floods in the places that produce these agricultural commodities. And then, of course, the war in Ukraine. We know that Ukraine is known as the breadbasket of Europe, and Russia is a major exporter of of hard commodities. So commodities really are a very interesting play at the moment. Of course, for a retail investor, for a a private investor, it's quite difficult getting exposure to commodities. You've got to look at things like exchange-traded funds, which play the future prices of commodities. The other alternative is to look at agricultural equities, you know, companies like John Deere and the like, most of which are listed on the US stock market. So Definitely keep an eye on commodities. Look at commodity funds. Look at funds like gold funds to, to give you exposure to those metals. But I think it is worth kind of casting the net wider. Let's think of investment trusts. You know, investment trusts have that magical ability to hold back 
up to 15% of the income they receive each year. Mm. And that allows them to boost income for shareholders in tougher times. So that means an investment trust can really deliver in a high inflation environment. And while we're all looking around for, you know, where can we invest in an inflationary environment, funds like the City of London, bankers, alliance trusts, those investment trusts have produced a solid 55 years of dividend rises because they have that ability, um, which is no mean feat. You know, you've got to consider that over that time, they've gone through the soaring inflation of the 1970s, Black Monday, the dot-com bubble, the global financial crisis, and of course, more recently, the pandemic. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And, and, And finally, in terms of this conversation, Mike, I mean, let's turn to some of the principles that people should have in mind as they um, enter this, this obviously this difficult period in markets, but also we're coming up to the end of the tax year as well. We've spoken about some areas that people might look to where they could um, point some directions to maybe give them some shelter. It's probably worth saying, isn't it, that we wouldn't advocate necessarily moving wholesale into any of one of these areas or even a combination. The idea here really is to tweak at the edges, but to still ensure you have this core of investments that you're that, that spreads your money across many markets and many asset classes, right? Yes, I, I would agree with that. I mean, as ever, diversification remains key. And for most people, this will simply mean taking some time to rebalance your portfolio. But there's no doubt that you know the backdrop of investing is changing and the areas of the market that we've seen really outperform over recent years are no longer those areas that are in favor. And one of the Interesting suggestions that I've seen uh, was one made by Merrill Lynch in a recent report, which um, is focused around the way you can control the extent to which you are diversified. And what they suggest is that we look at a redefinition of the FANGs. Now, you'll know that the FANGs, those letters, that acronym, acronym stood for the fastest growing large tech stocks in the US of Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. And I think Many investors kind of mistakenly thought that diversification means holding as many of these names as possible. Now, (laughs) what Merrill Lynch is arguing for at the moment is redefine what the FANGs stand for. Instead, the FANGs should now stand for the sectors that have been very long neglected but are bounding back into favor. So here's a really clever way of, of thinking about it. So FANGs should stand for fuels, aerospace, agriculture, nuclear and renewables, and of course, gold, metals, and minerals. Right. So all of these sectors have done really well so far this year for all the reasons we've just discussed, but there's every reason to think that they should continue to do so in the medium term. And if you do feel the need to add some diversification, make sure your portfolio holds exposure to some of these themes. Of course, if that sounds like hard work or too complex, a very good alternative is to outsource the diversification element to the professionals. A fund that we often talk about is the Fidelity Select 50 Balance Fund, which is managed by Aisha Akbar and looks at the entire range of Select 50 funds. She's a really good investor and it's a highly diversified fund of funds. That's right. And she'll be, she'll be making exactly those asset allocation calls that you're talking about there, right? I mean, it's hard, isn't it? For it is hard. Even people even people close to it, you know, it's uh, it's a professional's job. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why not use the professionals? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, Micah, lots to digest there. Um, as I say, uh, people are on the hunt, I think, for, for 
some investment pointers at this time of year in particular. So thanks so much for contributing today. That is all we have time for. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. You've been listening to the Money Talk podcast. Check fidelity.co.uk for daily written updates and articles on these and other topics from across Fidelity in the UK. And subscribe via iTunes to get the podcast downloaded direct to your devices every week. Please be aware that the value of investments and the income you get from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information doesn't constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Eligibility to invest in an ISA or a pension and the value of tax savings depends on personal circumstances and all tax rules may change. You will not normally be able to access money held in a pension until the age of 55. Reference to specific securities or funds should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities or funds and is included for the purpose of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you're unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor.